Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WHBY Radio or Woodward Communications. Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Annex Wealth Management is a local fee-only fiduciary providing investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. Know the difference. CPI, PPI, and pins and needles. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We've got a lot going on this hour. We are glad you're here. We're going to talk about the great wealth transfer. That's baby boomers to younger people or maybe different sources. But decisions to be made, there are proper ways to do that. We're going to talk about that. Toward the end of the show, financial and retirement planning for those in the medical field. You have unique opportunities. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio by Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Let's go back to last weekend. The situation in Israel and the Gaza Strip, Mm. utterly horrible. Big impact. I thought, just assuming that the markets get nervous, that Monday we were going to see a real decline, and we did not. Why was that? You know, I think that's interesting. When you look at the history of conflict, uh, it really depends on the details. I think that one of the key things is that after Hamas attacked Israel, that the big question was, how long will it last? And will other countries get drawn in as well? Uh, One of the big unknowns was as far as Iran's role. And just historically, um, if Iran gets involved in something, they threaten to close the Straits of Hormuz, which is a major choke point for the shipment of oil. And so one of the spillovers to the rest of the world and to the markets is oftentimes through the oil price. Now, obviously, there's the fear factor at work as well. Uh, And we did see within the markets Kind of this um, knee-jerk response that seemed justified. People started buying more U.S. government bonds, this flight to safety. The dollar strengthened. Gold went up. Oil prices increased a little bit. And like defense stocks, uh, so people that maybe you know provide munitions and things like that, their stocks did well. The broader market seemed to shake it off mainly because the big question is, I oftentimes look at it and I'm like, what does this mean to the bottom line of Apple? 
right? Uh, does this conflict, will it affect corporate profitability? And that's one lens that you can use to kind of look at why did the market do what it did? And I think the big reason is that right now it seems like it is relatively contained and we do have to see how long it'll last. We still don't really know if other nations will get involved. I mean, depends on what Iran will do. More shoes could drop. Yes, that is correct. And so it increases the risks. I think about things in terms of kind of what's a base case scenario, what's a bear case scenario, and what's a bull case scenario, kind of thinking about it through that those three avenues. And the bear case gets a little bit worse as far as now that you have conflict, if it does spread. Uh, but the base case, I don't think we've really deviated from that base case scenario yet, which is one of we had an earnings recession over the last three quarters. U.S. economy had a great third quarter in terms of growth, showing some signs of fatigue. Uh, And so a lot of sort of we haven't seen enough yet to move us off of that base case scenario. Speaking of fatigue, anybody tired of hearing about the CPI, Consumer (laughs) Price Index? That number came in. We've been watching this for a couple of years now as it's ticked up. And it came in a little hotter than expected. It did. And, you know, it reminds me of when uh, Alan Greenspan uh, talked about setting an inflation target. He said he wanted inflation to be low enough that people didn't really think about it. And so nobody really cared about CPI. Now it's in headlines all over the place. It came in a little bit hotter than what people were expecting. But when I dig into some of the details, most of the increase was driven by energy prices. And we all know that energy prices have gone up. And then also this fictitious thing that the government measures called owner's equivalence rent. It's this hypothetical about if you own your home, how much would you charge yourself to live there? And they try to kind of figure that out from rental rates and things like that that they can actually observe. But it really, that those were the biggest drivers. And so even though the headline was very hot, I thought that the details were not. The other PI would be the PPI, the Producer Price Index, basically what it costs to produce goods for sale. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So the Producer Price Index, uh, as measured by from suppliers, that came in a little hot as well. Year on year, it was only up 2.2%. So a lot of progress has been made there. So hopefully there's not a lot of inflation in the pipeline coming. But if it costs more to produce something, prices are raised? It can. Another thing that can happen is profit margins are crimped. Mm. And that's the big variable here is do they pass through that inflation to the final consumer? Or is it the case that the producer prices go up without consumer prices going up, meaning you've got a little bit of headwind as we're going into earnings season here? And at this point, our heads swivel toward the Fed. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they're on hold. They've been talking about how this increase in yields that we've seen, that you're actually going to, it's, the market is doing a lot of work for the Fed. They might not need to hike rates. We got the minutes from the last meeting. It said most of the debate was around how long they should hold rates where they are, as opposed to whether or not they should do one more. Dr. Brian Jacobson is chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back. We're going to talk a little bit about earnings because earnings season is starting. That is our Week in Review, always available as a podcast and delivered Sundays in our Axiom newsletter. And this is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, October 15th. We're going to be right back on WHBY. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. 
Back in Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. A couple things you can do on the weekend. Axiom, it's a free weekly newsletter. Comes out on Sundays. Don't have to be a client. You can sign up for that. Social media, we're there. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. A great YouTube channel. All Annex Wealth Management videos. We've done them all. Highly searchable. You want to know about RMDs. You want to know about NUA. Roth conversions. It's there. There's over 1,500 videos. Graphonomics on AnnexWealth.com. That's three graphs that'll help you make sense of the economy. Our SWAT podcast comes to you Monday mornings from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team. In fact, we're going to start publishing it a couple hours earlier. So, and it's a quick listen for your drive in. You know, it's under 20 minutes. It's pretty in depth, but we've got a lot of people that would like that. And so that's what that SWAT podcast is for this show available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist. Earnings season is here. Yay, right? Yes. Good. Uh, Fun. You know, it's a really exciting time. So as an economist, uh, I love the economic data, but this is also a very happy time of the quarter uh, because earnings season has kicked off. So from an investment perspective, there's there's a buzz in the air. You know, you can feel it when I'm t- walking around talking to the people on the investment committee and the great staff that we have here that focuses on our clients' portfolios. So financial firms report first, typically, right? Does that tell us anything? Typically, uh, I always measure the start of earnings season with when the big banks report their earnings. And so we had J.P. Morgan, Citi, and Wells Fargo reporting. They're the early reporters, and then that kind of sets off when you get the rest of the S&P 500, so the other, you know, I guess that would be 497 companies, beginning to report. So they always kind of kick it off. And I like listening to what they have to say, not necessarily as far as trying to figure out what the rest of earnings season will be like, but more about what's going on with the economy, right? Because they really do have their finger on the pulse of the consumer and smaller businesses. And it was really interesting listening to the earnings reports come out on Friday. Uh, there were a couple of pleasant surprises. One was that the portfolios of these banks, so the loans that they've made, it's actually somewhat higher quality than what a lot of people were originally expecting. So they've had fewer what are called charge-offs. So you know, if a loan goes bad, they have to write that off. They also, very important, had lower loan loss provisions. So they have to project out as to what's going to happen with the economy and their portfolio of loans and what our defaults going to look like. And those were actually better, so lower, than what was expected. So maybe they're delusional. And so they're misjudging what the future will look like. But you know, they, they're pretty smart people. And so I take it as a signal from that, that the economy is still pretty resilient, they're expecting a slowdown, there are challenges ahead, but these are not insurmountable challenges. How about retailers? When do they start to arrive? And I would think that that's a fairly important. Oh, yeah, retailers, that's a lot of fun. Uh, we've already actually had Costco report. Uh, so even though that does, it's not part of that whole window of when you get the uh, the banks reporting and the rest of the S&P 500, they're, they're a bit of an outlier as to when they do. I love listening to Costco, uh, mainly because I really like their hot dogs and their pizza, <laughs> you know, so it brings back those memories. But they were saying about the trade down 
from consumers. You know, as far as the the spend has slowed, we will get more retailers as the weeks go on. So next week we'll get a few smaller retailers, but the bigger ones are basically in a couple weeks. Um, I always like to listen to what's going on with Walmart, Target, because you know they're they're the bigger ones, and then of course Amazon when they finally do report, just being that massive presence with online retailing. But that's not for a while yet. And there's many different parts of Amazon too. They got web services or is that part of the, yeah do, when they report does that in, so include yeah it? when they report they report uh they and they break it out by division a lot of people have been focused on amazon web services as far as the growth engine for the firm figuring that you know they've already kind of saturated everything as far as on the retailing side margins are already pretty slim there and that amazon web services is more the growth part and that's what more people are going to be focused on dr brian jacobson is our chief economist we've got him for the rest of the hour and i hope we have you as well It is called the Great Wealth Transfer, boomers set to pass along wealth to the next generation. What's the best and most efficient way to do that? That's next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Looking for more? At Annex, our team produces original audio and video content to teach, inform, and demonstrate how we think and operate on behalf of our clients. Visit the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and explore. Just search Annex Wealth Management. One team. One plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You probably didn't notice, but one of the greatest transfers of generational wealth is taking place. Who gets credit? Baby boomers. That's right. Where are all those okay boomer jokes right now? Brandon Lehman, among other things, is director of Annex Private Client. Welcome back, Brandon. Danny. One of the greatest transfers of generational wealth is taking place. How much? If you look at it kind of from a whole perspective, there are estimates that it's $53 trillion is currently passing on to the next generation. But another stat, and this stat I heard almost 15 years ago, but I think it really is coming to fruition now, is that there are 10,000 people retiring every day. Oh. It is a substantial amount of people moving assets to the next generation, retiring and just a lot of change. It is a staggering amount, and it's a whole lot more than just signing a couple of pieces of paper. And where we sit, it would involve all of Annex Wealth Management, right? Financial planning, tax planning, estate planning, all that. Takes an entire team to really work through all of these transitions. So when you look at it, there's traditional assets, right? Your IRAs, your 401ks, your brokerage accounts, but then there's assets like real estate, there's cars. When you get to the high net worth side, what you start to see is there's quite a bit of these assets, specifically real estate um, is an area where you need to do some planning. And that's, again, where the Annex teams come in place. When you look at the financial planning team, where do these sit? You take the estate planning team. They're going to look at the financial planning team said, this is what it is. The estate planning team is going to say, okay, how is it titled? And then the two of them are going to get together with this tax team and say, is there a tax liability after death? How do we handle this? Where does this even start? Somebody walks in the door and they've got these assets. They've got these homes. They've got this real, they've got all this and they want to start to plan to hand it down. Do we start with estate planning? No, I 
I, the best way that we start with that is we gather all the data. So it gets to be, I don't want to call it necessarily labor intensive, but that first meeting is let's get it all. And for the most part, these folks have a lot of it already in order, whether it's in an Excel spreadsheet or in a PFS, a personal financial statement, it already exists. And our job is to take that data. We extrapolate kind of some of the other things that need to be done on it, like valuations based off of maybe what Zillow or Redfin might say. We're going to put that into our software and then it's going to give us a real idea of where you sit. Now, is it perfect the first time? No, but that's what the multiple meetings mean when you bring in these other teams. So I guess if you say who starts, the financial planning team starts it. From there, it gets passed on to really the wealth strategist and the wealth manager to sit back and say, okay, who do we pull in next? What is the biggest pain point that we see? How do we work through this? Because you don't know when it's going to pass. So I, I don't want to be morbid but you don't know. And unfortunately, we've had a situation where we started the planning and the time of passing happened a lot sooner than we expected. So it's getting on top of it right away and the sooner the better. Now, the other aspect to this that is incredibly important is laws change all the time. For instance, we were working with one of our high net worth clients. We had had this discussion of their estate plan and they kept pushing off saying, no, it's fine. We just did it. We just did it. Well, just did it to them was almost eight years ago. We've had a lot of changes in eight years. So it was, please give us the documents. We're going to go through it and we're going to look at all this and see how to most efficiently work through the current tax laws because it could change again. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client. We're talking about the transfer of wealth from boomers to heirs. $53 trillion is one of the figures that we heard. Tax planning squad, they're going to be fully engaged. Oh, yeah. When you look at the tax planning side of it, there's two aspects, right? There's the tax now planning side of it. Okay, so what does it look like now? How are we going to be tax efficient now? But then there's the other side of it. After you pass, obviously, there's some things that occur. If it's passed on through a trust, right, all of a sudden now you have a step up in basis, depending on the trust. If it's gifted in lifetime, you don't have that step up in basis, but now the assets with the kids, it's outside of your estate. Maybe you've pushed yourself below the estate tax exemption. You've used up some of that exemption, which under current laws is going to change here, projected to change in 2026. So they talk, well, it's a lot of money right now. It doesn't impact most people. Well, it will. It's basically from what we've seen going to potentially be cut in half from almost 25 million to 12. Now, yes, that still sounds like a lot, but when you throw in property, because most people just think they're investments, you start throwing in all the properties, you start throwing in, depending on if it's, especially if it's collector cars, whole different ballgame. I know somebody with a lot of those and he would need a plan for that. Yes, it's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, You know, Brandon, one of the things that we did not mention, but I know we do definitely employ is our ears, right? We're going to be sitting down with the clients because we're not going to say, okay, here's what you're going to do. We're really going to ask, what is it that you want to do? It's all about legacy planning. What do you want your legacy to be and how can we most efficiently and effectively help you achieve that legacy and give as little as possible to Uncle Sam? doesn't necessarily have to be a legacy for your kids. Some people don't want that, but maybe it's a legacy for charity. Maybe it's a legacy for an organization. Our job is to help you coordinate and understand what that legacy should be and then build a plan around it as efficiently and effectively as possible. Are you planning correctly? Is everything sewn up tightly to eliminate those questions and avoid conflicts? Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Before we go to break, just want to remind you about the Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Planning Strategies Review. We're going to look over everything you got, your situation. We're going to provide insight and strategies you might want to employ. Start at AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Money Talk on WHBY. 
planning and investment in Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Site from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management and right at the top, I'm going to go on record as being an official baby boomer. On one side of the boomers is the silent generation preceded by the greatest generation, but on the other side is Generation X, which for the oldest members of Generation X are now about 10 years out from traditional retirement. So I'm joined by Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Keith, you a boomer or an Xer? Are you saying I don't look like a millennial? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm uh, on the very young end of uh, the baby boom. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. There's new research report focusing specifically on Gen X, their financial situation, how they plan, how ready are they for retirement. The headline is they've got some catching up to do. Have you seen the same thing? I have, Danny. And, you know, uh, while I don't pass myself off as an expert on generations, I have done some studying on this topic because it became of great interest to us uh, back when I was in a private practice of law. And I think we need to take a step back and say, why? You know, before we start analyzing this, is why are generations different? Why do baby boomers happen to have a certain ways about them? Generation Xers, a little bit different, the silent before then. And if you look back, it really comes down to how you're raised, the effects of the world around you. For example, greatest generation grew up during the, the Depression. Yep. When I was a little kid, you know, my father grew up in great poverty in Missouri. I, it was drilled into me to this day about not wasting. It bothers me to throw away food. You just didn't waste. So these are things that are ingrained in kids, and they're often based on the experiences that they have. Now, we as boomers, most of our parents in the baby boom were the greatest generation. And most of the parents of Generation Xers were the silent generation. Now, there was a, a shift because when you and I were, were little kids, Danny, and in my neighborhood, it's all of the mothers were at home. None of them were. But when we went out to play, we just went out to play. There were, there were no play dates. You know, we were just real, seven, eight, nine years old who were running around the neighborhood with our friends. When it's lunchtime, they call us. And come and, in by the time the streetlights come on. And exactly right. That affects your perception of the world. Now, one of the things that we found is that the silent generation, much more so than the 
greatest generation, got divorced. You have a lot of kids that are millennials, much more so than, than baby boomers, that grew up in a household where they may become what we call latchkey kids. You know, when they were in what is now middle school, was in junior high school, perhaps. As a result of that, what we found is that they have a little bit less trust in the future. How that manifested itself when we were looking at this at the law firm is we couldn't quite figure out why the compensation structure was that, you know, you get a salary and then a bonus based on your own productivity and how the firm does and so on and so forth. They didn't like that. They didn't like bonuses. They wanted the money now because they didn't trust the future. They did not trust that bonuses would be there. And it was just kind of contrary to how we expect. We couldn't figure that out. And when we look at how Generation Xers are preparing for retirement, a lot of times you'll hear them say, Social Security, well, if it's there, that they, they don't really have that sort of faith and trust in the future. And that's something I think is, is based a bit on, on the upbringing. Are they behind the eight ball? I mean, most of the data that I've seen says they, they are. A little bit, yeah, they are. It, it, it's probably not too late. They shouldn't dally around too much. I think this is the time to get your financial future in order and to start with a financial plan, even if you are on the younger end of Generation X and you think, well, I got a lot of years, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before I, I'm going to be retiring. You want to plan for that now because you don't want to have to catch up at the very end. Well, the oldest members of Generation X are roughly 55, 56, right? So they're yeah. in that zone. They're yeah. probably making pretty good money, but yep. they've got other financial obligations. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the retirement runways in sight, but it's it's looming in the distance. It is. It is absolutely there, and it gets there faster than you'd ever believe. It happens quick. It does. We're with Keith Butler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Another really surprising thing that I saw is Gen X reports the lowest level of interaction with financial professionals, mm. only 27%. Yeah, that's really surprising. And again, as you point out, this is the time when they really should be starting to get their ducks in a row as we prepare for retirement. What are the things that they can be or at least should be thinking about with roughly 10 years before retirement? I think it's setting goals, figuring out what is important to you. One other societal shift has been baby boomers are more into spending money on things. And when you get to Generation X and certainly millennials, millennials for sure, spending money yep. on experience, how that plays out. So I think it's, it's figuring out what your goals are, where you want to get to. Is legacy important to you? Uh, some people, they, they really want to leave something to their kids. Others, it's like, man, I've already provided for them. We're, we're, we're worrying about us. So I think it's setting some goals and making sure you do kind of the, the easy, basic blocking and tackling. Like, for example, deferring to a 401k plan at least is enough to get your maximum match because that's just free money. And that goes right toward your retirement. Work longer. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, there's retirement, quote unquote, but now there's also retirement, you know, uh, the second, second phase, retirement. Yeah, yeah. yeah, second phase. I, I, this morning I dropped off my car at a car dealer and got a, a drive here from somebody. That's that's what he's doing. Yep. He's driving the car. He, you know, now he doesn't have the pre- a pressure job. He doesn't have to use discretion. Just Pick this guy up and take him here. And that brings in a little bit of money, maybe some benefits, and that's something that can help your your retirement plan after your normal, you know, professional retirement. Keith, one of the things would be really, and this is what we do, but sit down with a financial planner and get a plan in place because a lot of these unknowns or a lot of these, well, I'll, I'll kind of push them down the tracks a little bit, will become a whole lot more clear. Well, one thing that, that people have to keep in mind is that, you know, some people say, I heard that you need X dollars to retire. You need a million dollars to retire. You need a million and a half dollars to retire. Well, that's nonsense because that is one part of a very complicated equation. There is how much money you have, how much money you will be receiving in Social Security, or maybe have a pension. You know, government employees, union employees have really nice pensions. Um, How much you spend. If anybody says you need to do this, 
you know, that that's just not true. There's too many parts to the equation, and that can only be accomplished by going through a, a sophisticated financial plan with an advisor. We do it. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. And we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Keith Butler, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Danny. One team, one plan, one fee. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You know, working in the medical field is a noble profession. It is not easy. It takes years of toil and grueling hours, but it's a calling. And with it comes well-earned and healthy compensation. But while building a career in the profession, it's easy to forget good, solid financial planning principles, if there's even a plan at all. That's what we're going to talk about with Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Eric. Hello, Danny. Medical professionals have unique financial planning needs. They've got options for sure, but I guess figuring out what is right and what might work best for them is a bit of a mystery? A little bit, because people who work in the healthcare industry have unique options available to them. For example, for employees, a lot of times there are retirement plan options beyond the typical 401k you would see at a private company. Many healthcare workers might have access to 403b plans or 457 plans or health savings accounts, sometimes even pension style plans like a money purchase plan or cash balance plan. So I just listed a lot of different possible retirement plans, but just understand if you you're working in that setting, there may be unique options. You want to understand them and make sure you're leveraging them. Executives may have additional options even beyond that. And then finally, many physicians are actually business owners. They might have partnerships. They might have sole proprietorship. So when you're a business owner, you have the world at your fingertips with many different tax strategies and retirement plan strategies available. So all that to say, there's many options. You want to understand what is available to you and how to best leverage those. And again, they're busy doing their practice. They're busy doing medicine. So they've got to think about this on the side. Well, that's why we believe in financial planners, right? Because we specialize in this. Proper financial and retirement planning isn't complete without efficient tax planning. How can higher income earners and higher net worth households in the medical field utilize advanced tax planning strategies? Again, it's what we do for our clients. For starters, if you are an employee, you absolutely want to understand and leverage all of those employee benefits that we just talked about a moment ago. There are also certain advanced strategies with IRAs that can be done for those higher income earners. And then again, for those business owners, there's entity selection, there's advanced retirement plan selection that may go way beyond just a typical 401k. You want to understand those tax strategies that might be important to you, especially if you're still in that you know wealth building mode, there are things you can really do that might make a huge impact over time. Eric Strom is financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. We're talking about financial and retirement planning for medical professionals. And after many, many years in school, healthcare professionals have student debt that can affect cash flow credit score, ability to save and invest. They need to get at managing their student debt as well. Yeah. Many healthcare workers may have student debt. So you want to evaluate what are your repayment options? There are different plans out there. There's income-driven repayment plans. You want to understand if there are forgiveness programs or any types of plans that are available to you with that. But beyond that, in general, you want to prioritize 
high interest rate debt. The way I think about that is really 6%. If you are paying interest higher than 6%, that would be in general kind of considered a little bit of a higher rate. And also though, think about lifestyle creep and taking Mm. on new debt because many people who are in the healthcare industry, you know, you sometimes can have that lifestyle creep where you start to buy a little bit more expensive cars, more expensive stuff for the house. And then uh, you oftentimes see especially rapid increases in lifestyle, you really want to balance that with a little bit of discipline so that your finances can stay very healthy over time. I think the official medical term is doc-itis, right? Right. Well, and you know what, Danny, it's not always their fault because doctors and other healthcare workers are actually targeted by marketing. They are aggressively targeted by financial products, lifestyle products. So, you know, you've got that headwind to face protecting themselves financially is extremely important. And that opens the door to a host of insurance products and coverage. Kind of, we're getting at that a little bit. Where do they start to put what's needed in place? Is there a hierarchy? Yes. You know, we're a fee-only financial planning firm. So of course, we don't sell any of these insurance products. However, we frequently recommend them because, especially for healthcare workers, you do want to obtain that if you have specialty-specific insurance needs or liability coverage that you really have to have, of course, you must get that. Now, Disability insurance is very common, especially if it's specific to your occupation. Let's say you're a surgeon. Um, You may get special disability insurance specifically for surgeons. That's important. Now, there is oftentimes more expensive life insurance that will be marketed to healthcare workers. You know, be a little bit careful with that because most doctors and healthcare workers, term life insurance, which is much more affordable, is typically sufficient. So look out for that. But having the right disability, life insurance, liability insurance, and on beyond that is very important and really actually is fundamental and should be handled before you even think about investing. Medical profession is one that comes with a lot of responsibility is to have a solid plan for financial and retirement planning. Annex can help. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on WHBY. Get a complete plan built by fee-only fiduciaries working in your best interest. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Looking back over the past hour, really good example of what we do, but it's just a glimpse. If we can help, head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. We were talking earlier about the, the great boomer wealth transfer, things like financial and retirement planning for those in the medical field. But again, your situation is unique. If we can help, hit up that website and just, you know what, start the conversation with Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton, Brian Jacobson, our chief economist still in the studio. Brian, most of our high net worth investors have individual bonds. I have heard you ask the question, the bond market or a market of bonds? We like to brag about our stock portfolios. Rarely do bonds get the same treatment. However, the current situation might be causing people to actually talk about bonds, but they're complaining about the bonds, (laughs) right? Let's dig in. Put your professor hat on. Can you start by giving us a brief overview of what the bond market is and why it's important? Sure. So the bond market is actually quite large, but a lot of people don't pay attention to to it because when you turn on CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg, you know, they always talk about the stock market. So you'll hear about like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. That's for equity, right? So that's like your ownership interest in those businesses that underlie those indices. But the bond market is actually huge. Uh, and it is how companies raise debt or it's how governments 
raise debt. So bond market really refers to sometimes either the debt market or the fixed income market. That's another term that's oftentimes used. And it's called fixed income because the bonds themselves, they're structured where you might get interest payments. Uh, there are also these things called zero coupon bonds. So they don't pay interest, but you actually get more money. You get this par amount at maturity. So it's fixed in terms of all of the specifications, how long the money is tied up for, uh, what that face value or the payoff amount at the end is, and what that coupon or those periodic interest payments are while you own that bond. And it's not really simple because there's a lot of different types of bonds. Oh gosh, yes. Uh, there are uh, you know more bonds than there are types of stocks really. And that's one of the reasons why the bond market is sometimes a little uh, opaque to a lot of people where it uh, can be a little confusing because the terms and the conditions can all very much differ. Uh, the biggest categories, we have fixed income uh, for governments, so treasury bills, notes and bonds, but then you also have corporates. So corporations issue bonds as well. Those are the biggest ones, but you also have like municipal bonds as well. So state and local governments issuing bonds. And you also have foreign bonds, foreign governments and entities issuing bonds. When people talk about portfolio construction at 60, 40, the 40 is the bond portion, right? Yes. Oftentimes yeah. it is that 40%. Although if you look at like the total world of debt out there, uh, arguably it could be closer to 50. Okay. Bond market is not like the stock market. There's there, there are big differences. Yes, they are. So when you watch on CNBC, the floor of the exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, stocks are traded that way. That's not how bonds trade. Bonds are what's called an over-the-counter market, where if you want to buy or sell a bond, you sometimes have to call a dealer. So for example, if you wanted to buy a bond, and sometimes you can do this through your broker or you work with us and we can do it for you, you have to make some phone calls or you have to log into certain systems and get bids for these things. Meaning that if you want to buy something, you actually have to kind of contact somebody who already has it in their inventory. Well, we've got the mechanisms in place. This is what we do for our clients. It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart. It takes a lot of hard work to make this system work. How does it work for high net worth clients and annex private client? You know, one of the nice things for our clients, especially in private client, is that we try to build the bond portfolio, individual bonds, where we have the uh, option in order to actually hold those to maturity. So if you look at the ups and downs in the stock market and you look at the ups and downs in like interest rates, okay, the market value of the bonds can fluctuate quite a bit. But what we try to do is identify bonds that we like and want to hold to maturity so you can ride through that volatility and get that known amount at the end, provided the issuer doesn't default on the debt. Back to that phrase, market of bonds versus bond market. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so the market of bonds is the idea that if you actually just buy a bunch of bonds, buy an index through an ETF or a mutual fund, that's one way to do it. But the whole idea about it's not a bond market, it's a market of bonds, is that you can buy these individual bonds and hold them. And that way you can have the option to maybe ride through some of the volatility. And we've seen quite a bit of volatility these days. Coming up to the end of the show real quick next week kind of a, a good week for data it starts to flow in it does you know next week we're really looking at say retail sales industrial production and then also the feds beige book that's coming out that's always exciting it's more exciting than the color beige itself because that's going to give us some guidance about qualitative information about what the fed might be thinking about when they meet november 1st 
And for a economist, a chief economist at Annex Wealth Management, this is your happy time. It, it really is. Yes, yes. I sit down with a cup of coffee and comb through that report. It's really a joyful experience for me. <laughs> the kind of people working for you, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to investigate what Annex can do for you. We're ready. We're a fee-only fiduciary. Just a couple of minutes. Get that conversation started. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Sunday at 9 a.m. Thanks for listening. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.